everyone is august 8th 2020 you're listening to the tanaka cast uh this is dan and i'm joined by barra hey everybody lot to discuss today yeah yeah an unbelievable start for a pitch restricted masahiro tanaka um and with that in mind, before we get any further, I guess I should probably take a step back because it's our third cast mm-hmm. and just tell you that this is a podcast about Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, we're going to do a cast after every one of his starts if we can manage it, as well as we have an intro cast if you want to learn more about why Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, and we're going to do it through the lens of baseball as a whole. So it's not just about Masahiro Tanaka. It's also about what's going on in baseball, what the standings look like, and, and news and things that are going on, especially in this COVID season. Yeah, but if you want to get, like, the breakdowns, analysis, and appreciation of uh, of the humble king that is Masahiro Tanaka, <laughs> this is definitely your spot. And, uh, yeah, this start is, I think, one of the – is a key uh, showcase of why it's exciting to follow baseball and uh, through through the lens of Masa. And why it's exciting to be to be a fan of him and his uh, and the, and the way and the and the way he plays the game. Let's just jump right into it then, because it was quite a start. It was anything but humble <laughs> for Masahiro Tanaka. What sixty to sixty-five pitches through five innings, uh, and I checked in on it. There was one one inning where I think he got out of it in eight pitches or something I think like that, that was the fifth the fifth inning I yeah. thought it was um uh, I thought it was 59 pitches that he that, that he threw mm. um yeah it was, but to your point from last time I think you said he was going to be restricted to 60 right yes so he was restricted right. yeah yeah that's the thing is I think that the the rumor was he was going to be restricted to 60 pitches um and before the game, Aaron Boone was like saying that he would be he expected him to be out there for three to four innings. And if you're wondering why, you know, a workhorse who oftentimes goes deep into games has that restriction, uh, Tanaka got drilled by a liner by Giancarlo Stanton after be- after uh, baseball resumed as they were preparing for the season. Is 112 miles an hour, hit him in the head, knocked him out. So he's been, like, he passed all the tests in terms of recovering, but they're, like, slowly but surely building him up. So last time, it was, like, a little over 50 pitches, and they pulled him. Um, he had a decent start, um, still gave up an unearned run and an unearned run over two and two-thirds inning. But, you know, as I said, like, I still thought he had a lot of good stuff. Uh, this time, he was supposed to be there, I think, for only, for only three to four innings, but he was so efficient that he goes five and would have been in line for the win, um, yep, yeah, it was 59 pitches. Um, it was 51 the previous thing, but the Yankees could not score a run. There were two total hits in, yeah, from the Yanks. There were also two hits from the Rays as well. Uh, the Rays won it one to zero uh, after uh, off of uh, after Adam Adam Brooklyn native Adam Adovino, um like let that through, but it was um, it was a masterclass of pitching. Like the only, like Tanaka allowed a single hit in those five innings, and that was a ground and that was a ground ball single that was just like hit where the infielders weren't weren't, weren't there. After that, it was um, thirteen straight batters. <laughs> he struck out five batters, <laughs> and uh, he the exciting thing about him this year is that like his off speed stuff is great. His intensity is always great to see on the mound. When he expresses joy, it's great. But, like, you haven't really seen his speed since he got injured. 
And now he's throwing 93, 94 hour fastballs. He's throwing the high heat. His control is great. And he's getting people out with his heat too. Like, mm-hmm. And he was just, he was basically throwing all his punch. He's got his, um, his, sl- his, his slider was in play. The heat was back for the first time. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it's like, it was, it, it was, uh, it was really, really, uh, really impressive. Um, yeah, it was, he just, he, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was a really, it was a really cool, it was a really cool start to watch. And, uh, and yeah, I think that he, and currently now, I mean, granted, it's only two starts and one was two and two thirds, but I mean, his ER, his, again, this is early on, it's only 7.2 in its pitch, but he has an ERI of 1.17 and a whip of 0.78. Like, that's because yesterday he had a, a zero ERA and an 0.2 whip. An 0.2 whip is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Can you um, enlighten uh, folks, myself included, about the difference in those stats and what those mean, if you, if you know? So I'm not exactly sure how the whip is calculated, but it is basically based off of number of, uh, of like bat, 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 batters who reach base. Mm. Um, and an ERA is the earned run average, right. like how many earned runs you may over time. So like yeah. you can have a high whip, and a low ERA if nobody scores, but you load the bases every mm. every time. Um, so the fact that just nobody was reaching base against him and he was lights out was impressive. And uh, yeah, I also have no doubt that you know he, they're building him up. I don't know at what point they're going to to unleash him, but he looks strong even with you know the that ball getting up high and um, him giving up those two runs the last time they. Uh, he's just looked really. He's just looked really strong, really, really strong, uh, for throughout both of these starts. And I think once he, in terms of like physically, I have no doubt that when he gets the go ahead, he's going to be able to uh, to pitch deep into games again. And quite frankly, it's really exciting. It's also exciting for stands like myself mm-hmm. who uh, want to. Uh, who who actually want to see go, want to see him resign because this is his contract right. year and this is exactly what he needs to be doing. Uh, it also helps that James Paxton seems to have have lost his stuff as well, and that would be the other person they'd potentially sign in the offseason too um, back. But uh, but no, oh yeah. Also is yeah. So his slider was filthy. His splitter looked good. Um, he threw in a curveball a few times. Uh, and yeah, if there's like these pitch, I'm looking at this pitch chart and he just kept thing he about. Uh, the the lo- you know like he, his locations were were pretty per- perfect like it's just like off speed stu- stuff at the bottom of the zone the heat pretty much oh, heat some of it at the bottom but a lot of high heat so it's just like off speed stuff low high heat high and and yeah it's just like he's getting people out on ground balls getting people out on strikeouts flying out no scary fly balls at all which you know Masa is someone who is known, uh, like a lot of the great pitchers, to uh, give up home runs. Like, he and Verlander have a similar problem. But knock on wood, Massa was just, like, both of these times there was no, no – even the, even the last start when it was deep and then bounced off the wall, like, that was not a home run ball. That was a, that was a double ball. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's encouraging. And I am, I, yeah, it's, I'm excited to see what he does uh, is, with his next start at home against the Braves. Yeah, I thought I saw that chart too, and that was pretty wild. The control that he had, where you really didn't see the ball in the center of the plate at all. Yeah, and I also saw a few of the highlight pitches, some of those really dirty sliders. 
His slider is just disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. It's just like they people chase them and they look like idiots, but they're great pitches. It's like they're it's the cool thing about Lawson when his stuff is working is is that it's clear that it's unhittable, but it's only a, but it's also clear that the deception is a hundred percent real. Right. It's clear to us that it's unhittable from our armchairs at our homes in slow motion. Yeah. But when you consider that they have fractions of a second to react to the thing, you know, takes on a different light. Right. And I mean, an exciting thing too is that, you know, he has been, he's used his fastball to set up his off-speed stuff before, but now the fastball is a legitimate getting people out pitch means that like the off-speed stuff's going to be even more potent because people are like, okay, I have to hit a 94 mile an hour fastball, which again, it's not a 97, 98, 100, but like it's still a pretty, pretty flipping fast, uh, fast fastball and is a four seamer and it's just like if you're like okay i can maybe get on top of this high heat if i get the jump then boop it's in the dirt you're out um yeah <laughs> one two that, one two three do you think that last night was more about the pitching or more about the hitting the fact that it was such a barn burner um so do do I think that is well? So in in terms, of, do, do you think that it was more about the that it was that the Rays are a bad hitting team or that Tanaka's stuff was there? Well, on both sides, really, because there really weren't many hits. Period. So yeah. do you think it was more about the quality of the pitching or the the suckage of the hitting? I think it was about the quality of the pitching. I think the Rays strung together um, some excellent starts. I mean, Blake Snell Snell was excellent. He was out after three, but that's because he'd thrown sixty pitches in three innings, and essentially they just had really long at bats against him. Um, and, you know, credits credit you within the reliever core they brought in to bring it home. Uh, you know, the Rays are a team that can hit. Uh, I should also be noted, however, that for whatever reason, Masahiro Tanaka owns the Rays. Like, before he came into this season, uh, this game, he had a 1.9 ERA against them career-wise. Oh, wow. I don't know what it is now, but he's thrown, like, he has like this habit of throwing a midseason shutout at Tropicana Field. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know why why it is, but you know some pitchers are just have a thing with certain teams. And Akin Wood, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, like there was one season, maybe even last year, where like the Rays were creeping up on the Yankees, and then the Yanks swept them, and to start off, Massa just shut them out. He was just like he's yeah. So so when it, that's what he's made at least one big game statement against them. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I do think it is, I think it's telling that like the hitting wasn't there, but on the flip side, I mean, like the Yankees are one of the best hitting teams in baseball. The Rays are no slouches, although even at six and seven right now, uh, tied for second, (laughs) at least, uh, they're still good. So yeah, I I guess I would say that it was definitely, you know, definitely about the pitching on both sides. Nice. Um, and this puts the Yankees still in first place in the AL East. Yeah. So nine and four. They're sitting up there pretty at nine and four. And then the Orioles are number two, and they're <laughs> and they have a losing record. So six and seven. Um, the Rays also are six and seven as well. Uh, when I'm looking at this standing thing, it's like I think it's giving the Rays the tiebreaker over them, but that may be that may be incorrect. If, regardless of which, like. It's either either of these teams with a losing record, and if they keep it up, probably around 500 are going to get into the playoffs. You know, can I say something interesting? I, I was reflecting as I was reading through some of these standings across the league, AL and NL. Yeah. Is that 
we're already almost a third of the way through the season. Like we're twenty five percent of the way through the season. Right, we're twenty five percent of the way through the season. We are inching our way towards a third of the season, and I kind of like this new sixty game three act play we have going on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the climax around game forty or something like that. You know, no, the it's. I mean, I'll say this: I, I appreciate the long one hundred sixty two game baseball season. I appreciate the tradition of it. I appreciate that it gives me like summers worth of entertainment. I appreciate it allows for like incredible spurts and then falls. But like this shortened season is also exciting in that like it's definitely I think a lot of other teams' ball games. Like the Orioles making it into the playoffs at 162 games, like that would be just like the greatest Cinderella story of all time. And don't get me wrong, if the Orioles make it in when they are like literally a Triple A team at this point. Which is overperforming. They're doing well. Um, I thought they would be basement dwellers, and they are, they are, uh, they are quitting themselves. And I think these, I think there's just some people on that team who just have something to prove. Like, no, we're, we're, we're sticking to it. Uh, but yeah, the Oriole. Uh, but in a 162 game season, that would be amazing. And this, it would still be really cool. But it's like, it's possible. You see how this shapes up. Mm. Yeah. For sure, and, and it's not just the AL East. Like you're seeing this a lot. Um, either this place team in second place is either a losing record or a um, or very close to 500, and then there's one team at the top feasting. Yeah. Um, so in actual, let's let's break that down a bit. So for in the AL East, uh, which you know normally is one of these, what well, normally in a normal baseball season, the AL East is like one team that's like clear leader, one nibbler, and then like another team that still can potentially vie to vie to get the wild card. I mean, wasn't there a year where like all three, three AL East teams made it in? Yes. I'm uh, struggling to remember which though. Yeah. I believe it was Yankees, Rays, Red Sox all made it in one year. Um, And I honestly think one of the reasons why the wild card expansion was good is that for a while, like it was just like miserable to be a team in the AL East because you like Toronto would be at like a little over 500 perfectly decent team but you're seeing that like oh yeah you know like because they're in the at least they're never going to make the playoffs because it's yankees red sox yankees red sox yankees red sox uh and then one time and then they maybe stumble and then the orioles would get in the raise um but um or toronto for that matter when they had like batista and he and his bat flipping <laughs> glorious uh but yeah no so i think that the expanded playoffs in general have the at least but this is not a year where the at least is like full of a bunch of contenders at least at the moment it's like Two teams trying to figure it out, um, and then with like the Rays, and I can't believe say the Orioles, and then you have the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, kind of uh, the you know making up the bottom at the moment. Uh, which we'll get back to the Sox, uh, but just quick into all for the rest in terms of it. Uh, AL Central looks relatively healthy. There's a ten and four Twins and an eight and six White Sox, um, followed by and then there's like an eight and seven Indians and six and five Tigers. Things have got weird there because of I think missed games, uh, due to like you know matches and yeah. such and COVID. But that actually seems like a pretty interesting and cool race. Uh, the AL West is being dominated by the Oakland Athletics at the moment. They're yeah, ten we, and four. Can we pause there for a second? Because yes. the uh, yesterday at the Athletics Park, mm-hmm. somebody bought a plane, <laughs> paid for a plane ad. That has that wrote uh, the Houston asterisk. <laughs> what? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> that flew over the stadium. The Houston asterisks. 
Wow. Wow. I'm looking at I'm looking at the score and uh, a tweet. The single best piece of Astro's heckling in the year 2020. Perfect. How much did that cost? I want to I want to know that because I am very interested in uh in 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 potentially that high level of heckling at some point for something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're seeing the Houston Astros have a losing record. They are in second place, but they have that losing record. Yes. Um, they also, however, have the unfortunate stuff, and I also have the unfortunate stuff as an owner of fantasy baseball of having Justin Verlander be out at the moment, possibly for the season. He says no, but there's some sports reporters who are saying yes. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it, yeah, this, I'm looking at the sign now. It's remarkable. Oh, and yeah, like the, Everyone's pointing to it. <laughs> oh man! Well, at oh. least he's saying no. At least, at least he's being defiant and trying to get back into it. Um, when you yeah. have players like JD Martinez on the Red Sox who are just non-factors, not playing, and there's clearly some sort of dissonance between the coaching staff and JD Martinez. Wait, Jar- so what's what's the deal with JD Martinez? Um, I guess this nope. is a good time there to like. To, to pivot into Red Sox world. So what's happening with, with J.D. Martinez and the and the coaching staff and his playing? So I don't know exactly yet, and I don't know if it's really put out there, but basically Ron Renneke, who is the... I'll just call... I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say he's the interim manager of the Red Sox. But uh, with, with Ron Renneke and J.D. Martinez, where he is struggling, but also not giving it his all and not really trying to play, um, you know, when they need him to be a good D.H., He's he's kind of quitting on them. Um, there's actually a good article by um, Tony Maz, Tony Maserati from the Sports Hub, um, talking about it a little bit. But basically, he's he's not doing great, and even when he's available to pinch hit, he's not doing it. And I guess there's like, I guess it's like a mutual thing between the coaching staff and him that he's not pinch hitting when he when they could use his bat, especially when Andrew Benintendi has a. Let me double check. Because last time I checked, he had a .068 batting average, Benintendi. That's insane. Um, <laughs> I do think that uh, I, I I do think that he that uh, that Benintendi is is going to snap out of it. I think uh, like my friend Jody was like saying that he's like that he's a bum and they need to bring other people up, etc. Um, I think that he's a good player, a dangerous player. I, he has bird Yankees way too many times for me not to respect him. But the guy is the guy is in a serious slump. Uh, in terms of like absolute legends of the bat who are also in slumps right now, uh, Gary Sanchez is at 0. 0.091 mm-hmm. average right now. Uh, now, granted, you know he has never been someone who hits for average, but he is also someone who. Uh, sorry, I had a stupid advertisement for freaking. State Farm as I <laughs> as I was looking at my baseball stats, but no, but he's not someone who hits for average. But he always has a respectable average with a lot of home runs. To be fair, he does have a home run and three RBIs at the moment. But that is a, that nine one average. Just like it is lucky he is a catcher. Uh, in terms of other people who are, uh, but I mean, flip side is like I think that the you know this this small it, it is a small small sample size, but still it's it's a startling thing to see. Uh, Glaber Torres is also in a really nasty slump at the moment. So a- Andrew Benintendi, as yeah. of right now, his batting average is 61. Jeez Louise. <laughs> 61? Yes. 
And yeah, and that's not as a catcher. That's as an outfielder. Like, He's a left fielder. Yeah. Yeah. These are you know your outfielders are supposed to be your batting studs. Yeah. Like the, the so the dudes are like you know supposed to be like you know they you know like catcher is a position like okay it's whatever and then it's a nice surprise if your catcher can hit. Um, your outfielders are supposed to be like powering you through. Uh, Torres, by the way, is what is a one nineteen average, uh, but. I think that is, uh, but that's still almost twice as much as at a whole point six one average. Yeah. Jeez, what the heck is happening? Isn't Xander Bogarts doing fantastic though? Probably Xander Bogarts is a low key, is a low key stud in my opinion. Nobody really, I don't think anybody really talks about him or gives him much credit, but that guy's usually really consistent. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, he, he's got a he's got a three thirty three average. Yeah, with three home runs and nine RBIs. Yeah. Uh, you know that's what more can you want? Like yep. you, you 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 literally can't um can't 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 ask for anything anything more uh more than that more than that out of your out of your baseball players. Yep. Uh, uh, and yeah, in terms of also like low key studs in this world, um, Ju or Shella is once again mm-hmm. being just this machine who. Is uh, uh who is just like you know again he was not an offensive player until threat led to last year and he was always great defensively and he did it last year and so folks may have been like oh maybe this is just going to be a thing but nope it's not a fluke he has a three oh eight average yeah. with three home runs and ten flipping RBIs well one of those one of those was a slam as we all know yes one was a slam that's true <laughs> one of the RBIs. <laughs> Four of the RBIs and one of the home runs was him grand slamming. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's also his glove is insane. Like he makes plays like throwing across his body at third base that are not easy. Uh, he is he's someone who again was brought onto the Yanks with the idea of like, okay, he's maybe not so good an offensive threat, but my gosh, is he a good defensive substitute when we can't afford Andujar's stud? bat to uh, mess up simple defensive plays. And now he's more of a defensive stuff than Andujar. I mean, Andujar, they were having him play in the outfield, and I think one of the reasons why he got relegated, well, this this last time sent back down to AAA, was that the, the bat wasn't just performing. So, yeah, no, it's uh, that's interesting. What what el- what other thoughts and insights do you have about the Sox at this point in time? Uh, nothing really. Uh, yesterday was a bit of a coming out party for Alex Verdugo. If nice. you don't recall, was one of the uh, pieces that the Red Sox got in the trade for with Mookie Betts mm. and David Price. There were some questions about about him. Um, he's a fielder, but he had a couple homers last night, and he had a he actually robbed um, the, the Jays of a um, of a home run himself from the field. So he had a good night. Uh, so that was that was fun. I just think the Red Sox are still figuring it out. I think their pitching is just so bad. That it's embarrassingly bad. That that it doesn't really matter what offense you have. <laughs> you can't you can't keep up enough production to you know to to make it happen. But. No, I mean we we saw that in that like game which like the Yankees won nine to seven. Like the Red Sox kept on climbing back with their bats, and then the Yanks would just keep on hitting that pitching. Um, it yep. was yeah, it was. Uh, I think that was also the game where they let, where Mike Talkman stole two bases and Chu or Shella stole one. Um, yep. Which, by the way, Gio is not speedy on the bag. Like he's not embarrassing, but he is not someone who normally steals a base. Right. Um, yeah. Well, last time that was uh, God Godly. 
Red Sox. Checks notes. Godly. (laughs) Yeah. That was ridiculous. Uh, But, you know, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned this thing about, like, J.D. Martinez not giving his all. And, again, I just – I know we we came back to the last two cast ball game videos. Like, I just wonder, like, you know, if they'd been able to work it out with Mookie Betts, would this be happening? And I honestly think Survey would say no. He's – he seemed to be so good in the clubhouse. I feel, figure that, like, you know, having bets there and also seeing the management, like, you know, putting that faith and investment in bets probably mean that Martinez would, like, you know, keep his game to a level. And I also just can't help but thinking, and, wonder, and I could very well be projecting, but that, you know, Ben Attendee might not be in such a, of, of a slump if, you know, a clubhouse leader was there to help to help to get him back on track. Yep. Well, Mookie Betts is hitting 306 right now with three home runs. <laughs> Yeah, his life is fine. <laughs> and he's and he's soaking in the LA Rays, the LA Rays. So uh, yeah, exactly. Good for you, Mookie. Yeah, no, but he's like there is there, there isn't a, there's not a loser in this trade in this trade right now. If there if it's named Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts is totally fine at the moment. Yeah. Um, just in terms of like the end weird wraparound of how things look in the leagues. Um, there's the Marlins who, after being out with that giant coronavirus outbreak, you're thinking, okay, how are they going to do this with this taxi squad coming in of like a whole bunch of minor leaguers? They're seven and one right now. Right. And speaking of asterisks, you still have to put an asterisk around that because it is a smaller sample size. It's only eight games, but, but it's still a really good record. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. I mean, you know, I think that, uh, I think that it is, it's cool that it's a good record, you know, like they're. Yeah, they playing less games, but they came out with it, you know, with less personnel, etc. You know what they're putting together, and especially when you figure the Marlins have been a gutted team that's, you know, just like has not necessarily been managed to win per se. Uh, that their winning is good. Uh, you know, the one thing that you do worry about is that the Marlins are a team that have won two World Series, and after each one, there's a giant sell-off. Now, do I think Derek Jeter's going to do the same thing as the as the previous ownership on that? No, but. It's certainly like I feel like the bad juju around the Marlins just is like sits or is at least in my mind just sits around. It's like this is a team that did two had two amazing like World Series wins and then just like squandered it and just like I don't know. They're talking about like, you know, the Yankee Stadium ghosts and you know, like all the mystical stuff around like Fenway and stuff. And I, I feel like that, that just there has to be some bad juju around the Marlins for what's happened in their past. But it would be nice if they if, if they did well and perhaps uh, perhaps dispelled that and like finally began to be considered at least to get a, it's like an actual team team. And you wanted to talk about the Cardinals as well, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the Cardinals and the Phillies are both in a weird kind of position where both of them have hardly need to play a ton of games in a very small amount of time. The Phillies was because of that coronavirus outbreak with the Marlins, but. They also uh, they got delayed yesterday because of rain, not because of coronavirus. Um, then the Phillies only played seven games at the moment. Uh, the Cardinals, on the other hand, are two and three. They've only played five games, and they were going to have a series against the Cubs, and then the Cubs plan literally turned around because they had another coronavirus outbreak. So I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know how these teams are going to make it up. I think it's probably a lot of doubleheaders. They may also have to change the rules around for percentage. I am curious at what point they just be like, F it, we're going to maybe just have one team maybe out of it. Um, 
Would that right. be an extreme step? I don't know if they'd be willing to do that, especially with a fan base as loyal as the Cardinals. They're one of the you know premier teams in baseball. But it's getting ridiculous at the moment in terms of some of the some of these teams with the, with what they have to do to make things up. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of unfair to certain teams. Yeah, where they may not have been directly responsible. Like it might have been the other team's negligence, mm-hmm. which led to them getting infected. Right. And then it's like, okay, so the Marlins may have started it, but if they infected the Phillies and the Phillies are missed 10 games as a result, now if they both get disqualified, it's not really fair to the Phillies and uh, because they were doing everything right, potentially. And I'm, this is just a hypothetical. I, I haven't done enough of the research in the news to know for sure, but that's, that's yeah. just an example of why this is kind of a weird slope and why it's... It, raises the question again like does this does this year matter and is it going to end like is it is, is it going to end like is it going to resolve is the is the right word i should say or no is it gonna... i mean like listen we're so far we are a quarter of the way through the season for most teams uh but you know there's also you know whether or not we can get to these crazy playoffs is is a big question right now uh and and yeah we'll, we'll, all i could say is we'll well, we will we will have to see, uh, because yeah, I'm just I don't I it's it's weird. Uh, I will say one thing in terms of like, there is one division where it looks like it's an old fashioned, um, you know, race in terms of you know who is do three teams doing well, and it's almost as if like oh yeah nothing the it's just like the beginning of a normal season. That would be actually the NL West, which is. Yeah. The Rockies and Do- Rockies are ten and three. Dodgers are ten and four, and you also have an eight and six Padres. Like that's those are like three teams performing very well. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, that's good to see because again with a lot of their stuff, you know, you're seeing like you know dropping off a cliff or not doing so hot. But like you know, those are those are uh, three teams pro three teams performing at elite level. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe this is Manny Machado's year. <laughs> maybe yeah uh, so so yeah i mean like we've gone over we, we've gone over yanks red Sox, the uh, this weird playoff stuff the and of course uh the, the marlins uh, the marlins and the cardinals uh what are you looking what are you looking at looking ahead in terms of this uh of uh, this next week in baseball leading up to the next tanaka start I'm not really looking ahead to much beyond what we already talked about as far as expectations. What I am looking forward to, though, is the next Masahiro Tanaka start. Do you yeah. know why that is? Why, why is that exactly? Because right now the scheduled start is against the Red Sox. Wait, really? I thought yeah. it, the, the scheduled start, start is a, we're going to get another Red Sox Tanaka start? That's what it's looking like. Oh, and it's against Evaldi, the only pitcher on the Sox who's doing things well that would be um oh so so yeah so so on my fantasy thing it says the next start should come at home wednesday against the braves huh but i'm not sure but that that could but that could be wrong i would love a thing against Evaldi because one of the other low-key interesting things about watching tanaka is is that there is the big game pitcher factor where like if the game is important a lot of times he'll lock on wood lock in but also, he seems to really relish pitching against good pitchers. Like right. he loves being in pitchers' duels, and I've seen him out to a mass in Bumgarner. Um, he to- he got his revenge and 
outdueled Dallas Keuchel in that like amazing uh, game in that amazing uh, game five in the ALCS in 2017. Um, and so you know, yeah, Avaldi, Avaldi coming and pitching well is just gonna if if the past is prologue, it's gonna l- light a fire under him, and it'll be a good game for us to see a good game for us to discuss for sure. Um, but let me let me look through this because I'm curious how it's gonna do with uh, uh, with the scheduling. So so I'm I'm getting my data by the way from the score app, and it say it's saying that uh, Montgomery's pitching on Wednesday. Interesting. And Snock is pitching on Friday against the Sox. I would love that. I would very much. I I would very much like that. Um, yeah, that would be. Yeah, I would. I would prefer that because that also means that I could watch it, watch it on television too, a lot more easier. It was also wrong this past time, so who knows? We'll we'll just keep monitoring it and see it, what happens. Monitoring it, seeing what uh, monitoring it, seeing what happens. Uh, I think the last thing we should do though is that. Uh, Tanaka is always is a king of social media, and he sent out these two delightful, uh, delightful tweets uh, following his his win. Yeah, uh, why, why, why don't you take the floor? I, I feel like I did it the last time. So. Okay, I have pitched in a raised game. It was said to be sixty to sixty-five balls today, but I'm glad I could have run five. I've scored five runs without a goal. I think it was great that I was able to control the ball more firmly than last time. We will make adjustments tomorrow from tomorrow. Now, granted, of course, this is like the bad translation, um, yes, but cool. but you can still like get like the gist of like him being excited to continue to work, happy that he got happy that happy he had better control, and that he was only like supposed to pitch sixty to sixty-five. Of pitches and he was still able to uh, go five innings without a score. So yeah, wholesome as heck. Um, and the other thing was is that he was up against uh, someone from Joe, well, a, a player from Japan for the first time, uh, Suzuka, I believe. And the tweet reads, and through and through Japan and the U.S., there was also a first match against Suzuka. I was able to hold that back today due to luck, but I think there will be many opportunities to play against each other in the same area. Exclamation part! Exclamation part! I'm looking forward to it. And then, like, little uh, happy eyebrows. Nice. It's <laughs> wholesome as heck. And let me just get the name of that gentleman. Suka. Uh, Yohu. Uh, Yohu. It's a Yoshi, Yoshitomo Suzuka, I believe. Um, and, yeah. So, yeah, it should be. I hope that the next tank start we get is against the Sox, but... A little earlier against the Braves certainly won't be the uh, certainly won't be the worst thing either. Uh, you have any other thoughts before we uh, we sign off from this uh, uh, from this caster? I don't think so. I think we covered a good a good deal, and I'm looking I'm really looking forward hopefully to a, a Sox Yankees matchup with Tanaka behind the plate. It's gonna be great. All right. Well, until then, we will see you all later. See you all later. I just want to quickly say you can find us on uh, spoilermedia.net. Um, slash Tanaka cast. You can also subscribe to us uh, on Spotify. I have to check and see if iTunes picked it up yet. I didn't get an email, but I'm assuming it's on there. I'll have to search. (laughs) If we are on iTunes, uh, I really would love it if you would rate us, like give us five stars or one star, whatever you thought about the podcast. Or subscribe to us on those channels. Um, Helps us out. Helps us see if this is working or not. Um, 
but yeah, we'll continue to do this again every every time after a Tanaka start with the lens on the on baseball as a whole and news. And we look forward to having you with us. All right. Thanks, everybody.